0: Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Come on, how awesome is that knowing that we are fighting at every battle we face in life. Jesus has already won. Come on, if you believe it, would you just put it in the chat? Jesus has already won. There's nothing that we're facing that we're going through that he hasn't already been through, foreseen, and isn't us allow isn't allowing us, giving us a strength, the grace to get through, right? So we're going to be introducing that song here over the next couple of weeks in church. So I just wanted to show it to you guys. It's been really the anthem of my life and in this season during the fast, is knowing that all the breakthrough that we're believing for, you know, whatever situations and circumstances we're going through. Man, the beauty of being saved by the grace of God and having a relationship with Jesus is knowing that He's already fought every battle. And what He laid down, his life on the cross, and he defeated death, hell, the grave, sin, and everything the enemy uh, could ever throw at us. So be encouraged this morning. Come on, we are on, I don't even know what day it is. We got a week, about a week left of the Daniel fast. And uh man, let, let me know what God is doing in your life. Let me know what God is uh, speaking to you in this season. I know the Lord has been doing incredible things uh, through us at the stat and the staff and our staff meetings, just what God is doing and speaking and the way He's leading us to lead His church. Man, God is God is just so good, and so amazing. He's doing such extraordinary, extraordinary things. Amen. All right. This weekend, come on. Who are you bringing with to church with you this weekend? And we have so many incredible things coming up in the next month. So make sure you're tuning in. Make sure you're getting connected. Man, we're looking for people to get engaged. So if you have uh, if you're not a part of a team, um, get involved. You know, uh, I was listening to a podcast not too long ago, and one of the questions that the pastor was asking his um, his, is Give me one second. There we go. Somebody's unmuted. There we go. Okay. Uh, One of the things he was asking uh, one of his members was How can I see your fingerprint in this church? How can I see your fingerprint in this church? And that's our heart. Desire for each and every one of you. We want to see your fingerprint in our church because we all have something to bring to the table. So if you're not involved in a team, make sure you get involved in a team, get connected, reach out, and uh, get on a team. Amen. Okay. We are in the book of Matthew, chapter nine. I'm going to switch my screens here. Boom. Okay. Book of Matthew, chapter nine. Try to make it easy for you guys. And we're going to be in the NIV version, the NIV version. There we go. Let me make this a little bit smaller. Put it up here. How about that? Boom. Okay. Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to stay or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to a man. To men. Verse 9, As Jesus went on from there, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Verse 14. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of a bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth of an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins; if they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wines and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Verse 18, while he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her, and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes. He said go away. The girl is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put aside outside. He went in and took the girl by the hand. By the hand and she got up. News of this spread through all the reg- that region. As Jesus went on from there. Two blind men followed him saying. Have mercy on us son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? He said, yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, A man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, and because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, uh, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd verse thirty seven then he said to his disciples, "The harvest is plentiful, plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send into his harvest field, send out workers into his harvest field. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the truth, the challenge that it brings into our lives. And Lord, today we ask that uh, you would make it come alive to us, that you would make it come alive in us, that it would be, used for the encouraging, the strengthening, but also the challenging and the correcting in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you would reveal it to us, allow it to speak to our hearts, let it be sown on fertile ground, and bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Okay. Stretch before we get into it. Okay, what stuck out to you? Come on, let's put it in the chat. What stuck out to you? We see that the book starts off, the chapter starts off with Jesus stepping out of the boat and what the Bible says, he came into his town, meaning the town that he was from. And as he's in the house, uh, he's in this house, another gospel communicates that people were just swarming. They were coming from everywhere, right? And the crowd just took over the house and there was no room in the house. And so here are these group of guys that brings this paralyzed man. And the way they bring the paralyzed man, I believe the book of Mark communicates in the book of Luke, that they busted through the ceiling, lowered the man down on the mat. And I think that's so important because I think it's important to notice and to realize that, man, we have to do whatever it takes whatever it takes to bring people who are far from Jesus into his presence. So they bring this man into Jesus' presence, and Jesus simply speaks a word. And he says, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And I'm glad that we serve a God that is so merciful, that is so kind, that even though this man was not seeking to be forgiven, he did not come for the forgiveness of his sins. He came to get something from Jesus. He came, they brought him to receive a miracle. They brought him to receive a healing. And yet what Jesus let him leave with was the forgiveness of his soul. Can I tell you, there is no greater miracle than the miracle that of our sins being forgiven. There's no greater miracle than the miracle of our salvation. There's no greater miracle than the miracle of a life being transformed, being delivered, being set free from the bondage of sin. And that's exactly what Jesus had the authority to do. And that's why he says to the Pharisees when they confront him and they talk about him, first of all, Jesus is not just a fellow. (laughs) He is not just a man. And that's exactly what these Pharisees could not comprehend. They could not comprehend that Jesus was no ordinary man. He was the God man. He was fully man, but he was fully God. God in the flesh. And because he was God himself in the flesh, he had the authority to speak these things. He had the authority to forgive the sins of men. That's why he says, after they say, this fellow is blaspheming, verse four says, knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Verse five, which of these, which of these is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? In other words, it's easier for me to just tell this guy to get up and walk right? But I want you to understand, he says in verse six, I want you to understand that the Son of Man has authority. He has the authority. All authority, the Bible says, has been given unto him. All authority has been given unto Jesus. And that is exactly What these Pharisees could not understand, they could not understand that all authority had been given to Jesus in Jesus' hands. And he needed them to know that, that the son of man has all authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up and walk, get up and walk. And that is the calling of God in our lives. To get up out of our sin, to get up out of our dysfunction, to get up out of our disabilities, to get up out of our confusion, to get up out of whatever it is that's keeping us down, that's keeping us from moving, that's keeping us from being unproductive. Get up and walk. Get up out of your dysfunction. Get up out of your disability. Get up and walk get up and walk in the fullness of who God has called you to be get up and walk in the in the confidence of the, the 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 identity of being a child of God and the confidence of knowing that you no longer have to walk in shame that you no longer have to walk in guilt that you no longer have to lay in your in your um, in your condemnation but you can rise. You can rise in the forgiveness, the grace and mercy of God and walk. He continues in verse 9, the Bible, the book of Matthew continues in verse 9, where he encounters Matthew, a tax collector, a man who should not be one of his disciples. In fact, I've always wondered what it must have been like for Matthew to be a uh, to be called into this fold, this group of men that at one point he collected taxes from, that at one point he probably did wrong or cheated or whatever the case may be, because nothing, tax collectors were known for being very corrupt. And In fact, they were so looked down on, so looked down on, uh, that they were equated with the lepers and the sinners. That's why that's why when Jesus calls Matthew and he says, follow me, Matthew walks away from everything, right? Because And that's another thing. Tax collectors were very wealthy because a lot of them would cheap people for money. And, they, you know, so they, they were well-off people. And, and Matthew leaves everything to go follow this Jesus. And so Matthew invites Jesus into his house. There's all these tax collectors. And the Bible says many tax collectors, verse 6, verse 10. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. They were equated to be basically the same thing. If you were a tax collector, you were equated to be a sinner, a leper, someone that the Jews just absolutely abhorred and hated. And this is who Jesus is sitting with, right? He says, follow me. But Jesus will sit with anyone and he will eat with anyone. And Jesus... Uh, When the Pharisees saw this, they said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But Jesus said on hearing this, he said, it is not healthy. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Jesus came with a purpose and that was to reach the people that most people deemed unreachable, to serve the people that most people would not serve, to sit with people that most people would not sit with. And it is our job, our duty, our responsibility to love on those that we do not see eye to eye with, to love on those that we do not deem worthy of our love, to love on those and to serve those and to sit with those who other people would not otherwise sit with, all right? It is our duty, our responsibility to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to be willing to sit with tax collectors, with sinners, with Gentiles, people that we don't agree with, see with, believe the same as for the sake of reaching those, for the gospel's sake, of reaching those to bring people in to the kingdom of God. Man, I'm glad and I'm so grateful that we serve God who's willing to sit with us and eat with us right because when you when you really get down to the nitty-gritty the truth is that you and I are those tax collectors you and I are those sinners and Jesus is willing to eat with us and to sit with us and reach with us they continue in verse 14 where the Pharisees just, had, just they just couldn't help themselves but challenge everything that Jesus did right they couldn't help themselves but but question every motive everything at just questioning jesus left or right because they could not stand the reality of this man named jesus who was born in bethlehem born in a manger who was supposed to be the messiah they could not stand the thought of him truly being the messiah the son of man uh, the son of god god in the flesh and so they constantly questioned him and so they said, how is it in verse 14? How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And this is important in this fasting season. This is important to know and to understand. This is why fasting is so important to us. This is why fast fasting is something that we do each and every single year. Uh, this is why fasting should be a norm in the life of every believer and why fasting is not something it is abolished. Because look what Jesus says. He says in verse 15, when they sat, when, in verse 14, they ask, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but you, your disciples, do not fast? This is John's disciples asking a questioning, right? Pharisees do this, but your disciples do not. In verse 15, it says, Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. In other words, what Jesus is saying, and I, and I need you to understand this fasting is one of those things that Jesus did not abolish from the law, right? There's a lot of teaching out there that Jesus abolished the law meaning that he fulfilled it. And because he fulfilled it, we no longer have to live and do these things and do these rituals or whatever the case may be. And there's some truth to that. There, are, We no longer have to sacrifice animals. We no longer have to slaughter to be forgiven for our sins. We no longer have to uh, sacrifice to be forgiven for our sins. We no longer have to do these ritualistic things, right? Uh, we That is true. But this is something that Jesus said, hey, fasting is not something they need to do while I'm with them. But what he said was the time is coming when the bridegroom, and he is the bridegroom, we are the bride, he is the bridegroom, when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And we know he was taken because he died on the cross, but then he resurrected and ascended into heaven, right? That's the picture. When the bridegroom is taken from them, then they will fast. That's why fasting is important to us because it is something that we must do in the absence of Jesus' presence from here on earth. Fasting draws us closer to God. Fasting renews us. Fasting honestly encourages us as well because it allows us to draw closer, near, and be more sensitive to the spirit than we are to our flesh. Right? Being sensitive to the spirit than we are to our flesh. And that is exactly what we're doing. We are putting new wineskins, right? New wine into new wineskins as we are being made new, as being, we we are being transformed as we are being a new creation. We are putting this new wine, this refreshing, this satisfaction, this joy, this peace, uh, this celebration of the life of Jesus in our lives into this new creation that he's made us. We're drawing closer to him through fasting. And fasting will always and should always be a priority in the life of the believer. Amen. We're going to go back. And he continues and he says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into new old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and wineskins will be ruined. No, they poured new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Fasting in the presence of God preserves us. Amen. Verse 18, we see that while he was saying this, a synagogue came and knelt, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died. Now, what I love about this chapter is we see Jesus just healing after healing after healing after healing. And man, every single person that encountered Jesus left the same way, left, did not leave the same way. Right. And so in verse 20, verse 19, it's 18 and 19. We see this synagogue leader comes to Jesus. His daughter is dying, has died. And he needs Jesus. To, he says, I believe that if you speak to her, that if you touch her, that if you put your hand on her, she will live. So along the way, Jesus is going to this man's house, another book of the Bible, another gospel, called, uh, names this man Jairus. Jairus, the synagogue leader, right? And um, along the way, his healing is halted and hindered when this woman shows up, another book, another Gospels uh, say this woman had dealt with an issue of blood for 12 years, had spent everything she had and everything she could on other doctors, and she would leave worse and worse. And isn't that the reality of our lives? That when things go bad, when things aren't going well, we will go to every other possibility that we think could help us, could heal us, could restore us, could set us free, but the one who actually can. And many times we'll go to the bottle, and many times we'll go to this, and many times we'll go to this person, and that person, and this relationship, and that relationship. We'll go to our treasures. We'll go to our money. We'll go to bigger houses, whatever the case may be. We look for medication for our lives and every other place. And we end up leaving worse and worse until she hears about this man named Jesus who could heal her and set her free. And the Bible says that the moment she came, she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment and she crawls through all the people, she touches the hem of his garment and immediately, immediately, immediately is healed and she was scared in that moment. Another gospel communicates. But in verse 22, Jesus turned and saw her. And she said, Take heart, daughter. He said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. I want to ask you, how's your faith? How's your faith? I know many times. We face so many difficult things. I know many times uh, the things seem impossible and overwhelming and doubt begins to creep in and fear begins to rise up rather than faith, right? But how's your faith? Are we allowing those things to diminish it? Are we allowing the fear to take over? Are we allowing the doubts to take over? Or can we be like this woman to say, I have faith to believe that just one touch. He doesn't even have to speak. He does, I don't even have to talk to him. I don't even have to like, I, 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 just, just one touch from Jesus, one touch of his garment can heal me. Man, that's a radical, radical, radical faith. And I want to encourage you in this time of fasting to let your faith rise. Let your faith rise to have a radical faith to believe that whatever God wants to do in your life, he's going to do to have the faith to believe that one touch, one word, right? He leaves this woman after she's healed. He goes to Jairus's house. He enters the daughter's room. He tells everybody to get out. He touches her, says, get up. And the moment he speaks, she rises. One touch and one word from God can change everything if I could encourage you with anything, it is that one touch and one word from Jesus can change everything. And honestly, that is the story of my life. One word from Jesus changed the entire trajectory of my life. Man, I could tell you countless, countless, countless stories of, the things that God has set me free from, the things that God has done in my life, and we'd be here for hours. But I could tell you that I know, that I believe, that I have seen his hand at work in my life and know that one touch and one word changes everything in my life. All it takes is one touch and one word. That's why we fast for breakthrough because we know that all it takes is one moment, one touch, one word, one look from Jesus. And he changes everything. The trajectory of our lives change, changes forever. Amen. He continues. He goes into J.I.V.S.'s house. He says to the girl, tells everybody to go away in verse 24. And he says, the girl's not, not dead. She's asleep. But they laughed at him after, verse 25, after the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up, literally just took her by the hand. And she gets up, When the news of this spread through all the region. Then we get into where two men, two blind men come to Jesus, and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe, verse 28, do you believe that I am able to do this, and they replied, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done. According to your faith, let it be done. My question is, Do you believe? Whatever it is you're believing for, do you believe that Jesus can do it? Now I know, I know, there are situations, we're gonna we're gonna get real. There are situations. Don't change. But then my question would be Can you believe that God is still good and God is still faithful when things don't change? Because He is. Do you believe? Do you believe? Verse 35, it says Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. this is the cry of our hearts. The reason why we ask people to join a team, the reason why we ask people to get connected, the reason why we ask people to uh, be a part of what God is doing at future church, is not because we're just looking for volunteers. It is not because we just want people doing stuff in the church. Listen to me. There are There is a crowd of people. There's a crowd of people that are sick, that are dying, that are desperate, that are harassed by the enemy. Just like verse 35 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. That word compassion is this gut-wrenching feeling. It's this feeling of despair, this feeling that just affects us from the inside out, the compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That is the society that we live in. That is the culture that we live in. That is the region that we live in. There are people that are being harassed and helpless because of the hold and the grasp and the bondage that an enemy has them in. And the Lord, the Lord Jesus himself. Said, pray and ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. The reason why we fight to get people connected, the reason why we ask people to serve is because there is a harvest outside of the four walls of fusion that we have to fight and work hard to ensure that we bring the harvest into the house of God, that we bring the harvest into the kingdom, that we harvest the, the, the seed and the harvest that is plentiful out there, that we take advantage of every single gift, opportunity, every single uh, workspace, college, school, whatever it is, that we take advantage in ensuring that people's lives who are being harassed and helpless uh, in the by the enemy are being saved, are being delivered, are being healed, are being set free. Chains are being broken. We are a part of the workers that God has sent to ensure that his gospel is being spread, to ensure that his gospel is impacting lives. You and I are the workers. We were once a part of the harvest. You and I are now the workers we have been enlisted for the work of ensuring that people's lives are changed. Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that first and foremost, that you have been so merciful and so kind. God, I thank you that at the mention of your name, things have to change. God, I thank you. That all you have to do is not even, you don't even have to shout. You can just whisper into a situation and things will change forever. That one moment, that one touch, that one word from you can change the entire trajectory of our lives. God, I thank you that you have all authority. There's nothing more powerful than you, that you are seated on on the throne, high and lifted up. And so, God, I just pray right now. God, whatever needs to change in our lives, whatever sickness needs to be healed, whatever bondage needs to be broken, God, in the name of Jesus, would you do it? God, we have faith to believe that nothing is impossible for you right now. So I'm praying for those marriages that are, that are struggling right now, that you would restore and reconcile God, I pray for those families that are broken, God, that you would heal and mend the broken relationships. God, I pray for, for the prodigal children that have walked away from you, God, that you would bring them back. God, I pray for those who are dealing with a sickness. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's diabetes. Maybe it's uh, being epileptic. Whatever the case may be, God, that you would heal in Jesus' name the same way that you healed the, the woman with the issue of blood, the same way that you brought the little girl back to life, God, the same way that you healed healed the blind man and gave them sight and you healed the lame man who could not walk God, We believe that you are still healing today. And God, I just pray that we'd begin to see that as a reality in our lives and in our church. God, use us as the workers of the harvest. God, we say like Isaiah, Isaiah, here I am, send me. Send us into the workspaces, into the schools, into the grocery stores, God, into the mechanic shops, whatever it is, into our offices, God. Send us to work the harvest for your glory, for your kingdom, for the sake of your gospel. And I ask all these things in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen and amen. Hey, I love you guys. Make sure you come out this weekend. Invite somebody, bring someone with you. Do not come to church alone. Who is that person that you could go out and be a worker in their lives to bring in the harvest? Amen. Who's that person you're believing for? Invite them to church. Invite them into God's presence. Invite them to be changed. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. I will see you this weekend at EHT. And we'll see those of you in Cumberland County, Cumberland County. Hope you have a great weekend. God bless.